It's a bird. It's a plane. It's a magic marker. A, a felt pen. It's a mistake. It's a trap. It's a fucking comedy. It's quiet. Maybe too quiet. It's all happening. It's a good day to die. It's a good day to talk about movies. Welcome back. It is a good day to talk about The Purge Anarchy, the second film in The Purge franchise released in 2014. I am your host, Duncan. Joining me as always are Gardner. Good to be here. And Taran. Happy to be here. Today we continue our mini-series on The Purge franchise. We previously discussed the first film, so if you missed that, go check it out. We're going to discuss each of the films in this franchise for about 30 minutes, and then we'll cap the mini-series off with a full episode on The Forever Purge, which is in theaters now if you're listening to this in July 2021. Before we go any further, this discussion will contain spoilers. Like I said, we are talking about The Purge Anarchy, the second film in the franchise today. So that means spoilers for both the first two movies. We will be spoiling both The Purge Anarchy from 2014 and The Purge from 2013. If you don't want either of those spoiled, turn this off now, go watch them, come back to us. That's you have it. been that's, warned. Yeah, that's your spoiler warning right there. On with the discussion. The Purge Anarchy came out in 2014, just one year after The Purge was released. It was written and directed by James DeMonico, who created the franchise and wrote and directed the original film as well. This movie has an almost completely different cast, though. It stars Frank Grillo as Leo, Carmen Yogo as Eva, and Zoe Soul as her daughter, Callie. Zach Guilford and Keely Sanchez play Shane and Liz, the couple that end up with Leo, Eva, and Callie. Jack Conley plays Big Daddy. The always amazing Michael K. Williams plays Carmelo Johns, the leader of the anti-purge group. And Edwin Hodge reprises his role as the stranger, Carmelo's right-hand man. I believe he's the only actor that's in both of the first two movies other than Cindy Robinson, who voices the Purge announcement. So it's cool to see him back. That's pretty uh, cool. I just now noticed that. Yeah, I didn't realize I, 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 told, I was like, I knew I recognized him from somewhere, and that actually added to like a lot of depth to the movie that I totally was unaware of. I feel like an idiot. Yeah, I think he's, he's still credited as, um, as the stranger in this movie as well. Also, Lakeith Stanfield's in this movie. I have to mention that because he's one of my favorite actors. He's in it for like a very brief period, but he's the guy with the God mask on. We see him take it off when he's delivering them. That was very hype. I was very excited to see him. Uh, I was hoping he would end up having a little more to do, but he kind of just shows up and then disappears, but still. Yeah, very cool to see him in it. And also we have Noel G who plays Diego in this movie. And just an interesting note about him, the next three roles that he has after this movie, he plays a character named Hector in all of them. He was in Retail, which is a movie that has no Wikipedia page. So I have no idea what it's about. Furious 7, which he's reprising his role from the first Fast and Furious movie, also Hector. And then Fresh Off the Boat, he appeared in 15 episodes of also playing character named Hector. So this was something that was like brought up uh, on a post like two years ago and I noticed it or I saw it. And then and when I was looking at the cast of this, I was like, this is that guy, isn't it? And I looked and it's literally the next three movies after this. He plays Hector, Hector, Hector. And it's <laughs> like been brought up to him in interviews. And he says it's just a coincidence. But he also said that Hollywood only has only knows two names, Hector and Carlos. And so he like would get <laughs> everything that he would audition for, which would be Hector this, Hector that. So he, those are three different Hectors. Yeah, he, d- different characters. Yeah, he's playing a different Hector in each of those things. Right. <laughs> And so now he's kind of leaned into it and he started, if he can, asking them like, hey, name me Hector. So he has three roles that are in post right now where he's accredited as Hector. That's awesome. So you should make it his middle name at this point. Right. Yeah. His stage name. So that's just that's the last of the information on the cast right there. A little bit of a digression there on, on no LG, but oh, it's fun. I love the trivia. Yeah. 
So we had differing opinions on how bad we thought the first movie was. And I think it's going to be interesting to see if we can come to more of a consensus on this one. We all acknowledge that there were issues with the first movie, but we kind of varied on how much those issues impacted our enjoyment. Just as a little recap, Gardner gave the first movie a 45, Tarn a 59, and I gave it a 71. So Gardner, you had never seen the Purge movies until we started this miniseries. You were the most critical of all of us on the first movie. Now that you've seen two of the Purge movies, how do you feel about the franchise? Has it redeemed itself in any other way? Yeah, the, the franchise is getting better. I enjoyed this one like so much more than I enjoyed the first one. Something about the interweaving of the different characters and just sort of the tension of what they were all going through. It was um, more compelling to me than the first one. I like that we had a more interesting, like, not spread, not spread of characters, because that makes me think of like, like a launch or something. But cast, cast of characters, that's what I'm looking for. Just really enjoyed these characters so much more than the characters in the first one. And uh, yeah, the franchise is getting better. Hopefully it keeps going up, but I doubt it. Well, I'm glad to hear that it didn't go down because that would be really bad if you thought, you know, worse than a 45. I don't know if we want to talk to you for half an hour about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. The spoilers like real depressing. higher than a 45. Okay, great. I think you just have talk- poor taste if this one doesn't land as well, if this one lands worse than the first one because yeah, this is this is a fun movie. Yeah, Tarn, last episode you said you remembered loving this movie, so I guess it sounds like you still feel Oh, yeah, this one's sick. Everything about it is fantastic for me. You get some, you know, most dangerous game action. You know, you get a good view of all the different purgers. It's everything that you wanted out of the first one that was missing, like that you don't get. And exactly. Just, like That's the scale exactly and everything is it. amazing. Yeah, it really scratched that itch that it seemed like audiences were looking for after the first movie. And we kind of talked about that in the first, in our review of the first movie. I do. I enjoy this movie as well. I like Frank Grillo a lot in it. I don't necessarily love any of the acting or the dialogue for example and i think it still has that cheese factor that we talked about in the first one and it still got that lack of subtlety that the first one had if not as much as the first one it still has those same flaws i would say and i would say it almost it almost went harder yeah for sure for sure yeah some of it's really hard too (laughs) yeah and i mean the whole movie is now about it and face to face with that struggle but like what you're there for the creepiness and the violence i think it totally hits on that so for me just like you guys very enjoyable i think we can kind of get into some of the the details of it now yeah i mean for me i think one of my favorite parts is when you just get in the first movie you you get to see like one group of purgers and then this one you get that montage where you get like a school bus going down with a bunch of like guns out the door you've got the semi rolling you've got a biker gang it's amazing i love seeing the different groups of purgers and how they would kind of take each other out it was so much fun, the world building in this. I mean, they, they do a lot of work, obviously, in the first one with kind of setting up what is the purge, how it works and stuff. And now in this one, we get to really explore how it actually looks when it plays out in the streets. And I thought the way that they had are like three groups of main characters, really five main characters, but split into three different plot lines, like A, B, and C, that intersect at the end of the first act. I thought... Again, I, I mean, I think the screenwriting in the first one was really, really tight. And in this one, it's even better, in my opinion, even though we have issues with things like dialogue and stuff like that, I think. Yeah. With pacing and everything. Everything matters. Like every little event over the course of the movie, like comes back later on and has like, you know, value. And in the best way. The- Like the first 10 minutes, you're a little confused. You're kind of like, okay, who are these characters? What's really going on? Like 
you know, the purge is imminent. It's starting in a couple hours. Why are we looking at these different people? And um, that's something I really enjoy about movies is, is like being a little confused in the beginning and then having all the pieces fall into place as the movie goes on. And it's really satisfying for the audience because you can do that Leo pointing at the screen moment where you're like, oh, this is where that's happening. And, oh, I picked up on, you know, it makes the, even if it's not, you know, quote unquote smart, it makes the audience feel smart, which is effective. Very satisfying good. for sure yeah and they talked about in the behind the scenes of it that they knew immediately when they were going to make the sequel they heard the audiences they heard what everyone's complaint was they're like okay we are going to show you the streets and i think what they did well is they took the elements like you were saying the tight screenwriting and the world building the stuff that did work in that first movie and they kind of applied that into this narrative that is what people were itching to see really really wanted to see this because they had this premise that was so so interesting it's just, it's a crazy idea and it's so you know it gets your mind going and they really do find and throughout the series we haven't even gotten to you know we're not even halfway through it yet they find interesting ways to show you what that world could look like and i love that and just to answer some of our because we had some lingering questions i wrote down some things that we had mentioned in the first one that have gotten answered by watching the second one now this is is the sixth purge like we had mentioned in the first one this is 2023 Mm -hmm. so it is one year after the events of the first purge so we were figured it had to be if the stranger returns obviously it can't be the same night so i figured it had to just be the next year Right. So that does answer my question of they apparently come to power into 2014, but clearly once they were elected, they didn't, the purge wasn't implemented immediately because it would have had to start in like 2018 for 2023 to be the sixth purge. Yeah. Yeah, I think at one point in this movie, they mentioned that it was like nine years ago. And then it was like, yeah, it was like the purge started six years ago. Yeah. So they definitely don't like, it's not like they're in and it's like, okay, we're killing people. They, you know, they had to spread the pot. They had to let the, propaganda percolate for a couple of years before they could get everybody on board and clearly they did because people got on board or maybe they just got rid of the people that weren't on board <laughs> who knows yeah that's, we, we that's, see they're not yeah. uh shy from of doing that yeah yeah that's the big can we talk about that the big uh reveal at the end yeah i love that and i guess they're kind of again dropping that hints of that throughout it it's like who else would that be at the beginning when you see this guy it's they're militarized i guess it could be some proud boys type deal where it's a group of that was like militia i thought it was um, just a militia yeah well, i could I see that feel like at, at first like when you first see big daddy it's kind of like maybe this dude's just fucking loaded and he's like hiring out but then it's like that you get the the second third the fourth semi They've got the fucking street cams. They've got everything like full access. It's like, okay, yeah. it's obviously not just like some, you know, rich sadist going that out was, killing a bunch of people. I mean, that was the thing when, when they go into that one van and they're seeing all the traffic cameras. She was like, these are controlled by the government. You know, who would do this? She's like, you just answered your own question. Yeah. Right. It's like, damn, they're really going for like full on fascist regime here. And it still, though, was little droppings of it because right then, you know, okay, the government's involved. But then later on, and again, we're spoiling the entire movie, so we're just going to jump right to the end and we'll come back to other things as we go through it. But then at the end, when Leo, Frank Grillo's character, gets shot by him and he's giving the villain monologue to him, explaining what's going on to him at the end, he confirms that citizens aren't killing enough, which is, it's not just that 
they're wiping out the people who are unemployed and the, the people who are on welfare and stuff like that. Cause that is what the government's doing, but it's, there's more droppings in there like that. I love the, I do like that in that speech when he says that, you know, citizens aren't meeting like the quotas or whatever it is he says. It's a very, I don't know. It's just, it's like a business type way to look about at it. And I can feel, I can see a government that's run this way, looking at it like a business. Yeah. Very, very depersonalized kind of meet our quota and have a certain amount of participation. But what's confusing to me is doesn't that kind of mean that the purge is having the desired effect ostensibly from the propaganda, the new founding fathers put forth the purge is a way to kind of literally like purge your worst instincts. Right. So if violence and everything is going down on the night of the purge, doesn't that mean it's working and we're getting closer to that utopia? But a fascist government can't survive without chaos and fear. So they need to keep it going. It is interesting, though. No, yeah, but it is interesting, though, because is the fact that there's no crime or there's less crime, virtually no crime the rest of the year, is that a product of people getting their urges out? Or is it a product of people not being in situations that are pushing them to the point where they need to commit crime? So many people who are criminals are pushed to that because they don't have the money they need, whatever it is, or they have some sort of mental health problem or addiction that they don't have the money to have treated the right way, whatever it is. So many people are pushed to, you know, being a criminal because of that. So is it, is that the reason? Because they're getting rid of the people who, that they don't, they don't have to deal with that shit anymore. Is that why crime is is going down the rest of the year? Or is it because people are getting their urges out and now they're, we're actually getting to this utopia. Yeah. I I, I, I watch the purge and I see that it's gotta be like fantastic for, employment in the sense that who somebody's got to clean somebody's got to rebuild they're fucking up the city every year i mean construction for the next six months got to be fantastic you yeah, know I'm long there's like a whole SMP. month of cleaning i'm sure there's a lot of like doctors are employed very well for the following few months because you got a lot of injuries it's like a lot of gunshot wounds i'm sure yeah wesson is doing well if you bought gun stocks you're doing great yeah, manufacturing and industry is going up because it's just everybody wants, you know, all these metals, all this metal shit. Buy purge bonds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that would be interesting to look at the um, economic aspect of it because they mention it about unemployment being down and on top of crime being down and stuff like what did they say? Like unemployment is below 4% or 3% or something like no, that. No, I think it's under one. That's wild. I, well, wasn't that. I feel like they had one that was um, in the first one. It said something like that. But in the second one, they had changed the number. Maybe I missed. Oh, I feel like in anarchy, it says under 5%. That's what so I maybe think it says So maybe 5%. it's going up in anarchy. I didn't even look at that. So yeah, which, there was one in, per, in the first one. And I just assumed, oh, so maybe that's why. Because people aren't reaching that quota on Persian night. Citizens aren't killing enough people. Now it's gone back up to 5%. Maybe that's, that's our early hint. Yeah, I didn't even notice that. Because like 5% is not that i mean it's not good that's bad at the moment we're at 5.9 percent right so saying it's under five percent is not a massive change from where we're actually at in real life yeah i think like three and a half is healthy unemployment rate for in terms of job fluidity yeah and when this movie came out i'm pretty sure unemployment was around somewhere around 4.5 yeah it wasn't even that bad yeah so that's definitely an intentional point there to make it something that's that we actually at that time were also achieving, right? If it's under 5% and we're in the real world, we're under 5%. That's a conscious decision, I think. Yeah. And yeah, it's obviously did that on purpose. Right. And they also made it go up on purpose. They're saying, you know, they're trying to do something there. And I think they try to pretty much hammer it home the rest of the way as well. Right. With well, the we know the that 
a lot of people in America are becoming very disillusioned with the purge. Either they already were or they're kind of spreading the message. I mean, that's a huge point in this movie is the freedom fighters. Right. So I wonder, I wonder how that plays into it. I, I do think it would be interesting. I do think we should talk about the freedom fighters because those, those guys are awesome. They are good. I wish they good again. I, maybe he's writing my dialogue too. I was just going to say, I wish they had a little bit better dialogue in getting their points across because I think for the most part, especially if I lived in that universe, I'd be like snaps to whatever you're saying. I agree with your point for sure. But I wish they were saying it in words that sounded nuanced. I don't even know. Just it was cheesy. Worshipping yeah. at the altar of it's Smith and Wesson. extremely straightforward. Right. But I guess that's kind of maybe that's better in a movie like this. Because then you, don't, you don't have to I, worry about anyone not getting it. Yeah, there's no chance for like yeah. understanding. Yeah, I mean, you got to remember this movie is made for, it's a horror flick that's made on a low budget that goes on to make an insane amount of money, right? So it's right. made for general audiences. So they're going for lowest common denominator here. Dude, this franchise has been a fucking cash cow, man. It's yeah. insane. Yeah, but I was looking at the numbers. They I just was keep making more too. money. Every subsequent release makes more money than the one before it, which is like unheard of in film franchises. It's wild. But listening yeah, they to they like bump their budget a smidge, and then it just every movie has been crushing. I think they're probably at like half a bill right now, which is like exponential. Un- like ridiculous. Yeah, worldwide, they're at half a bill. I looked it up. Not bad at all. But listening to the creator of it, James DeMonico, talk about it, he's really into saying something, and he's really because I when I get the I rent the, the DVD from the library, and so it has little bonus features on it, so I get to watch the behind the scenes. It's only like a four to five minute click, but they do a little behind the scenes, and he talks about. It. He goes, I really want to be very clear. I don't want anyone to watch the movie and think, oh, the purge is good. And so, and he also is very into. He thinks there's parallels with America and stuff, and there are. And so, but he's thinking about that clearly, and he's not just trying to get it out there and make the money where you know maybe Blumhouse is trying to do that. But I do think I'll give him credit. He's trying to do something with each of these movies and it's a logical procession even of what he's trying to do but he's not just handing in a screenplay and being like give me my money let's go make another purge movie right no, like i never got that vibe for sure and the actors who work with him also speak very highly of him like as being this actor's director he's great to work with frank grill speaks very highly of him he's actually in the newest movie by james monaco as well so they're, oh wow so got they a must have really enjoyed working going. together yeah, I think they both like working with each other. And but so that kind of speaks to you got to give him credit for going out there, making a franchise that has a great idea and works and is making millions and millions and millions of dollars, billions when you add them all together and also caring so much about it and having no one's got a bad thing to say about him. So I, I got to give him props for all that. And I love the franchise. I enjoy yeah. it all. The and, and you're right about him having something to say and it being very relevant. I think it's very prescient. I mean, obviously, we're not talking about three yet. We'll get into this for the next episode but i do kind of want to like mention that that movie came out in 2016 right and the Mm -hmm. the tagline for it was keep america great (laughs) donald trump used that as his campaign motto in 2020 like right this guy he he uh for as absurd i think the purge is in like a concept like i don't think it would actually ever fly in a modern society i i do think he he hits on a lot of things that are actual real issues in society. I agree. Edwin Hodges actually might disagree with you and and thinks that The Purge is maybe not as far out as people think it is. Who's that, Edward Hodge? Edwin Hodge, The Stranger. Oh, oh, the actor. That's the actor. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, Edwin Hodge. I think he, he said in an interview that it's not as 
crazy of an idea and we're or we're not as far away from something like that as a lot of people like to think is what he said and this was in an interview i think around the time of 2015 2016 ish so this was before a lot of things that have happened in recent years well i, think I could see a um a civil war maybe but not a purge not a yearly purge yeah, I think maybe he was talking more about like the themes of it and stuff and how people behave when they're given the opportunity to do something like The Purge. I think he was maybe thinking that people are closer to being able to do those types of things than they think. Absolutely. I mean, we, we mentioned, didn't we mention this in the last episode about the, the experiment with people administering shocks, the Stanford prison experiment? Oh, I don't we know if we brought that up. That would, we should have. Well, I'll bring it up now because yeah. <laughs> it fits so well into like, when humans are given permission by authority or they're put in a position of authority and then told to do something heinous, 60, 80% of people will do it without even really thinking about it. I mean, the shock study was they had people administering shocks to an actor in another room who would scream and scream and scream. And they would be told to amp up the voltage and keep delivering the shocks up until the point where they thought it was a fatal charge and even past that and like 60 to 80 percent of people did it and said they felt good about it that's wild and i think people kind of prove over and over again that that's still true to this day yeah i mean people are unhinged man parents kill their kids bad shit happens you know it doesn't take you don't even need to be allowed to do something to do something fucked up true you, you get a government like administered 12 hours to go do whatever the fuck you want and people are gonna take advantage but you know it's it's also you you see a ton of pushback in this movie as well, of like, there's obviously plenty of people that aren't down with it. When you think the ends justify the means, you're willing to do pretty much anything. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Nice. Nice little tie-in with Loki episode that came out today. Oh, man. Look at this guy. He's on it. I will say, though, that Grandpa took way too little money for uh, what he went out to do. Yeah, Only probably. 100K? Yeah. But I guess he probably wasn't in a position to to bargain. I would. I'm glad that you brought that up because we haven't brought that up at all. And that was one of my favorite little world building things because, again, absolutely, that would be what would be happening in a world where there's the purge. If you were really poor and you were like, especially if you were dying of something, there would be people who would be selling themselves in order to help their family out. Definitely. Yeah, just yeah. as well as you have like the harvesters or like the people that are going out and like picking people up and selling them. And I think that's one of the fun things with anarchy as opposed to the original where in the original, it's like, oh, yeah, like neighborhoods might be scary or like don't trust your neighbors, little things like that. And then in this movie, you see like the dark underbelly of it. Initially, you've got just packs of people going out like, oh, I'm going to kill random people. But then you get like the really sleazy stuff, the auctions, the hunting. Yeah, this shit really goes on in real life. Of yeah. course, of course it does. Right. There's more enslaved persons now in the world than ever before in yeah, human trafficking. Right. And so if you give people a free pass, basically, they're going to be even more heinous and even more out in the open about it. Of course. And honestly, it's really, I can understand why he would do it for sure, but it's also this heartbreaking, and I love it because the movie's making you feel something. It's this heartbreaking moment because he doesn't get the chance to say goodbye to them. Because if he did, they would be like, hell no, we're not letting you out of this house right now. So he has to pretend like he's going to take a nap. It's just awful for them. And they get the note and just realize it's too late. And the mom, Eva, has to tell Callie, he's gone. It's over. He's dead. And you kind of, there's so many moments like that in these movies where characters just have to realize someone's going to die right now. Either it's them, like they're about to die, or one of their family members is about to die. There's all these moments where it's people on the brink of death because that's allowed to happen. 
Yeah, it's brutal. And I even thought, even though I knew I was watching a Purge movie and people are going to die and, and fucked up shit is going to happen. I thought that was going to be their goal in the movie. I was like, oh, they're going to go rescue him. And the movie is just like, nah, ah. not going to Yeah, happen. it's like that happens and it's over and we're moving yeah, on. Yeah, that's just, we're gone from that. We never come back to him. I never even thought about that. Yeah, that's kind of tough because in a different movie, that would be what you were trying to do. Yeah. But, but not it's, it's not, it's, it's just a little, it's just an emotional moment for our main characters, the daughter and the right. mom, right? The, the reason they end up out on the streets and everything has nothing to do with what grandpa did. It's just, it's just a nice little world building moment. I've been saying world building over and over in these episodes, <laughs> but it's, oh, it's a good moment for that. And it's a good emotional moment for the characters gives them an early tragedy that we can kind of connect with and like that's just part of the purge too like you said he took too little that might be a good price you know because it's not like that truck of the you know the god mask dude they sold five people when he gets a fucking little billfold you know like that couldn't have been more than i was 10 thinking grand, that too right and it's like having a like willing sacrifice come to your house and whatever like is way easier than having to deal with some shady people and pick up random people off the street you know like and the way eva is just like yeah no it's over it's like it's clearly this happens on that night you know it's kind of like it's not even a secret because obviously it's part of the purge but it's just like an open thing yeah it's like people sell themselves people get sold it's like that's what happens on this day right and this is again part of a great fast-paced first act where you get that and then immediately we get Diego coming in and then that is the small threat. We get the bigger threat immediately right afterwards with Big Daddy's crew rolling through. And then obviously that's where we get the squad uniting Leo, Eva and Callie. And then I forget the couple's names. Shane yeah, and they were Lex, Liz. clear, just obviously there for audiences to project themselves onto, you know, people on a date night or something. Yeah. I hate it characters up until they were the worst part up until they they hung back and you know the fire guys coming down the tunnels and they took them mm -hmm. out i was like okay i kind of like them now but up until that i was just like oh my god this is so transparent like maybe the screenwriter director intended for them to be in here but to me it felt like a studio note it's like we got to have this white couple uh, in there too i mean I if you're going that, out but... and getting groceries with an hour and a half <laughs> before the purge starts <laughs> You oh are doing God. something wrong. Like, Dumb asses. I promise like, we'll get home, This is year six of this shit. You don't think there's people cutting fucking wires on your car? You're just going to willingly go into a grocery store and not expect some dumb shit to happen? Come on. It's so, so frustrating. I'm glad that we all agree that just fuck them pretty much. Yeah. It is fun when he gets lit up, though. When it's like this emotional moment, like we're going to get out and then just, and then just riddled with like bullets. Eight bullet holes through him. It was it's almost like a punchline. It felt yeah. like it was comical, almost like no, it was it too many. <laughs> I wanted to laugh, but the music told me I shouldn't be. Yeah, it was. I loved that part because I was like, good, fuck him. And then she was like, I want to purge. And I was like, all right, whoa, okay. But oh, yeah. this and then we also have that we were, you were talking about earlier when the when the, all the characters come together at the end of the first act. Frank Grillo's character, what's his name? Leo? Leo, yes. Yeah. Leo, when he's sitting there in the car and he's like telling himself, you could really like gauge like his the strength of his character right away when he's sitting there. He's like, just drive away, just drive away, just drive away. And he just doesn't even move. You know, he's right. saying that just to say it, but he's already made up his mind at that point. Yeah. I mean, I love him. His character is great, I think. Great hair, yeah. you fucking great shots. Yeah, and he's like, I wasn't expecting him to be the protagonist either. Yeah, honestly, I was surprised that Frank Grillo kind of, Leo, Frank Grillo's character, kind of emerged as the protagonist of it because, the I mean, the whole movie, you're focusing on 
Callie, Eva, and Leo. Those are, like we said, you don't really care about the other two. But that third act really solidifies who this movie's about. And it's Leo. And he's yeah. the one who has that. I mean, obviously, Callie and Eva are there through the end. And I don't want to minimize their roles in it. Because especially Callie, the daughter, who is the one who's kind of right the whole movie about how she's idolizing Carmelo and like she's telling her family no like he's doing this revolution he's right the purge fuck this she's spot on the entire movie and she's the character that I think I morally feel the the closest with I feel like I was gonna say that I feel like over the course of the movie Leo is I was gonna say he's like the most morally straight dude outside of the fact that he's obviously suiting up to go kill somebody Throughout the movie, it's like, even at the beginning, it's like, oh, here's like somebody that's going to go kill a bunch of people. You think he's the bad guy. This is obviously a bad guy. Like he's out on purge night and then he's doing the right thing almost in every scenario. Right. Yeah. Well, I think he has those good instincts, but he's kind of actively trying to suppress them because he thinks that revenge will make him feel better. And then so he needs the kind of purity of youth of Callie to push him and remind him to do the right thing. And so this is a really interesting question, I think. At what point do you think he makes that decision? At what point does he decide, I'm still going there, but I'm going there to say something to him and not to kill him? Because I think, I think it's the it's last bef- second. You really, you think it's once he's there? I, I mean, just from the way he played that scene, it really felt to me like he was about to do it. And then at the last second, he had a doubt or a regret or something. And maybe that, last thing Callie said to him kind of flashed through his mind and then that's what he like actually made the decision maybe he was on the fence beforehand but I don't think he had made the decision not to kill the guy until he was there face to face with him because then at that point he wasn't just like an idea of like a bad dude he was an actual human right there that's true too I guess maybe what I'm thinking is that like you were saying Gardner is that I think he's maybe on the fence before that I agree with you guys. You're probably right. He's deciding once he's pulling up there, he still thinks he's going to kill him or he's still trying to convince himself that he's going to kill him. But I think you're probably right. He doesn't fully make that decision until he's in there. And this is a good point to talk about. Gardner, you brought it up before. If you don't see someone die on screen, they're not dead. Was anyone fooled by this? And obviously me and Taran have seen this before, but was anyone fooled by this at all? No, I think I forgot about it. And I was like, yeah, no, I definitely forgot about it because I thought Eva or Callie shot Big Daddy when mm, he's yeah. out. Yeah, that flashed through. I mean, I, I said no too quickly earlier. That did flash through my mind, definitely. But then I was like, wait, did they have guns? Would they, would they really kill somebody? And then the guy walks out and I'm like, oh, okay, well, that makes a lot more sense. But they're not willing they to kill one person. Yeah, yeah they, they did. had guns. And if they're not willing to kill one person on behalf of Leo after he like slaughtered a couple dozen on their behalf, that's just bad. That's a bad look. Yeah, I would venture to guess that they probably would have or Eva would have the mom. Yeah, but they hadn't. If they had, I, too yeah, fast. they got out because eventually they come out there. Right. And they're ready to go. The, when the goons are pulling up as Big Daddy's backup, they're pulling up as backup as well. I'd That's like to right. think that they were just too far away, parked a little too far away, you know? And yeah, they would have gotten there for Big Daddy, you know, to murder Big Daddy if they could have. I guess at that point, it's not murder, really. Yeah, it's yeah, still yeah. technically, I mean, it's murder, it's just legal. But if it's, it's well, even if purge. it wasn't, even if it wasn't, isn't that kind of a little bit of a self defense type thing? Even if it, if it wasn't during the purge, like couldn't, couldn't no, you argue that it, was like a. It's, def- I mean, it's, it's not self defense. what state they're in. But could you defend themselves. your friend? I will say that I was kind of disappointed in them. I liked finding out, like, for, like with clarity, what Big Daddy's motivation was. 
I just thought we talked about this earlier, but just the the exposition dump. I rolled my eyes. I don't know about y'all. When he's explaining the lack of killing and why yeah, he was doing it, why he was out there and stuff, I was like, "You're really." Well, and again, it, it's like we were talking about earlier. The director obviously doesn't need to be making all these statements, right? The purge is cool enough on its own that they could have gone 50 years into the future and done something like that, or not been in America. They could have just been in, you know, a random country that doesn't exist. But it's like right now, it's in the country. Like everything is like we were talking about with intent. And I think the fact that he's not leaving it up to question about what's happening and being very straightforward is also credit to him for like trying to make a statement with his movies. For sure. Definitely. I get, and it's like, you know, yeah, that's probably the toughest part of some of the dialogue's pretty cheesy, but it's like, there's no, there's no, you can't, you know, reinterpret what he's saying because he's fucking saying it in the most basic of English. And I think that almost might be, like I said before, maybe that's the smartest way to do it. Don't leave it up. Audiences are dumb. Okay. I'm dumb. Yep. And I watch all the movies. So I'm the audience. I'm a stupid person. So <laughs> tell me, you know, sometimes the audience needs to be, if you really want to make your point and you, especially if it's, again, these are movies that like teens go to see. And if you want to like, you know, impress your world views and try to, you know, shape the youth like that, which is something that you can do with art. I think maybe that's the smartest way. Don't you don't have to be subtle with it because guess what? When I was 18 and I watched this or however old I was when I watched this, I loved it. And I also yeah. wasn't like, oh, what's this movie about? I knew I got the themes of it. And that I maybe wouldn't have at that point if I was watching a movie that was more subtle. But like I said, that ends up with a lot of cheese in certain parts of the dialogue. You get Callie quoting Michael K. Williams' character. She like regurgitates his quotes back to Carmelo. him. It's just very Carmelo. And it's just very like that. It, it's it's awkward. It doesn't really work there. You know, when they bust in and she like gives him like one of his quotes, it's it's just all like I see it's what literally you're like do. stepping it's like stepping out of the movie for a second. It's like punching you in the face, like here's the <laughs> message. And it's like, you know, you got Big Daddy and it's just his face and he's telling you what the government's doing. You know, you have the propaganda video. It's not like playing on a TV in the background. It's literally on it's like the entire screen. You know, like everything when they're trying to like relay the message, it's like you can't be distracted and you can't misinterpret it. It's like this is what he's fucking saying. Yeah, which, and it does it works for what he's trying to do, I think. So yeah, there's no need to like bog down your message in like three layers of Shakespearean like mumbo jumbo it's like nah the fucking <laughs> like the blinds are blue because they're fucking blue and it's like I didn't mean anything else by it this guy always with the blue blinds <laughs> right but like because we're all here for the violence and the creepiness and we'll take the themes that you're trying to give us and that works but what the audience is really there for is they want to see the purge so as long as that's working you're allowed to try to do what you want with your movie to a certain degree even if it doesn't always right. land 100 percent so I think we talked about pretty much everything that happened in this movie other than the boss of Eva and that little shenanigans that happened at her house. That was just first act setup. You know, uh, I don't know that we I mean at the boss's house with her sister. She shoots her over oh, the brother. Yeah. Oh, that's her coworker. That's her coworker. Oh, that wasn't the boss. That was the coworker. Okay. No, uh, yeah, yeah. The boss was that old lady that was like, okay, in the kitchen. Right. Okay. But yeah, yeah. When they go to the coworkers and they, yeah, you get a little like familial scrap. Yeah. yeah. I feel like they still could have stayed there though. But after, after, <sighs> after there's two dead bodies. Yeah. I mean, you could still stay there. It didn't seem like anybody else was down for murder. Nah, that's awkward, bro. <laughs> I want to go home with like, you know, yeah, my, yeah, but my awkwardness mom, like, versus. Yells at him gangs hunting you i'd 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 sit through the awkwardness personally it would take a lot to get me out on the streets during the night of the purge yeah a lot that's what i'm saying yeah but well wait, I, so I was like the sister that subdued point, at that point no yeah, she got murked did she get murked because i thought leo leo shoots the husband in the leg 
and then like draws everybody out throws a couple like blast her direction and then they're out and by the time they're in the hallway you also have big daddy rolling up on the building and they're like oh fuck out of here yeah that's true yeah fair. but point. they didn't know they also didn't know that about big daddy yet yeah but you got this crazy lady brandishing a weapon like in the kitchen yeah but you got I'm not leo trying to catch you. a stray Just... yeah but leo was leaving yeah, yeah he was true, out true he was out yeah they had to go with him yeah i think i probably would have ended up in that car with him if it was yeah me. fair enough i guess i forgot that i thought she got murked. I forgot that she was still alive. So before we go into closing thoughts, one more thing that I forgot to bring up at the beginning was one of the questions from last time was, is this in the middle of the summer? Remember Taran asked, is it July 5th? Maybe we do know what day it is. It is March 21st, starting at 7 p.m. So Founders Day. We were, when's the Ides of March? But no, okay. So it's it's late March. It's the, it's the third week in March. Yeah. You want Human's to talk about then. March Madness? <laughs> I, there's no way the purge is in the middle of the NCAA basketball tournament. That makes no sense. Yes, the purge could probably happen. No, heads would, would roll if they tried to interrupt the round of 32 with some goddamn lawless evening. Good point. That is a good point. So I guess that'll probably take your rating down a little bit. Yeah, that just tanked the whole series. For me. <laughs> takes, you, takes you out of the movie. It's unrealistic. Totally unrealistic. How dare they? Yeah. Last thing before we go into final thoughts. Gardner's Association for American Accents. Carmen Iyoga oh. is British. No way. Carmen Iyoga plays no? Eva in this movie. And no British. way. She's British? She is British. And I thought she did a great job. And it sounds like you agree. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the last one, we had um, great American accents in the Purge franchise so far. So there you have it. Carmen Iyoga, AAA certified. There we go. And now it's time for our final thoughts and ratings. Okay. So we are going to start again with you, Gardner, on this one. I know there's a lot of a lot of pressure on you to give a very low score here, but let me just uh-huh. tell you right now, you're allowed to give it a good score. I'm aware, and I will. Yeah, I could see. I, I can't really see myself rewatching the first one, but I could definitely see myself like rewatching this one. Maybe throwing it on if there's like a part, like a, a few people over and we're like doing stuff. Like this would be a good group watch movie. Obviously, it, it loses points for some of the dialogue and and thematic stuff that's a little on the nose but in pretty much every other aspect i thought it was an improvement on the first one i actually really enjoyed watching it so there's gonna be 73 god masks out of 100 all right there you have it 73 a lot better than the first one on to tarn what did you think about this you said you loved it yeah no i love this movie and i still i still really enjoyed it this is definitely like a rewatch just because it's you get nice little bite-sized pieces of action with it all being separated and the little scene at the end with the super rich people hunting their um, purchased assets, I think is just, I love that most dangerous game aspect of it. I think it's really fun. So I'm going to give this 79 purge groups out of a hundred. Ooh, that's a week, but yeah. And I 79, I feel like I need to be stricter with my ratings. I don't, that, that like movie action movies need to be higher up. I don't know. You've been the strictest with your ratings. I feel like up until now. Fair enough. I kind of agree with everything you guys said. I mean, the reasons you guys liked it, I like it. The drawbacks, Gardner, you kind of mentioned all of them. Dialogue, cheesiness. You're going to get that with Purge movies in general. So what are you going to do about it? It's kind of how we talked about how you view watching a Saw movie. You're not going in there expecting a masterpiece. You're not even, I think it was Carl, you said, you're not even expecting it to be above an 80, really. That's how I feel about these. I'm not trying to take the franchise down a notch or anything, but they're not masterpieces in any sense of the word. I enjoy them. This one's 77, 77 turrets out of 100 for me. Oh, the turrets. That was a great unit. Nicely done. 
Thank you. Thank you. So there you have it. That's our thoughts on the purge anarchy. Obviously, a lot warmer than we felt about the purge. And I don't want to speak for everyone here, but I think we're excited to get into the next one and see where they go with it. I definitely am. Right. And I think we already mentioned about, you know, how the purge election year might have even more parallels to the real world. It might be even more of the writer director, James DeMonico, trying to say something with his movie. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays out on screen and what we think about it. That episode will be releasing on Tuesday of next week. So look out for that. And then we're going to continue the miniseries after that. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace from Tarn. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know if we needed an outro or anything, an exit. <laughs> I, I need something. Keep this all in. Oh, you need something? All right. Stay off the streets. <laughs>